Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I'm here with a very unique high demand coach, and that is the one and only, and I mean the one and only, Ron Brewster, who uh, has spent the majority of his very storied career with an uh, unbelievable organization called Youth with a Mission. They're a global nonprofit with tens of thousands of staff on basically every populated continent around the globe. And Ron's been there since 1987. And aside from three years on staff at a four Square Church in Roseburg, Oregon, his entire ministry career has largely been dedicated to YWAM. Now, in 2002, he became the director of YWAM Montana, and in June 2011, he received his master's degree in leadership. Now, Ron has traveled to 50 countries, including serving for five years as the managing director of YWAM San Diego Baja. Now, he's currently the co-director of Mission Builders International, or MBI, where he provides leadership support, practical resources, and volunteer placement to YWAM locations across the globe. And uh, so, Ron, I'm so excited about this because you're also part of our Scale Architects program. You, you do a lot of the work that you're doing, providing leadership support, using the predictable success model that so many of our, our folks in the audience have heard about. And uh, we've, we've had to, you know, traveling to 50 countries is not an easy thing. You're a busy man. You're hard to nail down. So we've been working on this for months now. Uh, and so I'm so excited to have you here. I, I, I just can't wait to unpack what you're doing, particularly in the nonprofit space. Before we get to all of that, though, I'd like to just get a little color from you uh, on, on your story. So with regard to what were you doing before you jumped in with Mission Builders, you know, where you were uh, inside of YWAM, tell us a little bit about that season and, and how that ultimately led you to making the leap into uh, the, the directorship at uh, MBI. Sure. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be part of the program today. Glad we could connect. Yeah, so I've been in this organization, and like you said, about 20,000 staff. So I was 22 years in Montana at our, one of our bigger organizations uh, in YWAM. And then I moved down to San Diego, Baja in 2013. Spent five years down there. Primarily down there, we were building homes uh, for deserving families. We'd have organizations, businesses come down and we were able to build 300 homes a year. Just impact so many families' lives. Um, even people like Patrick Lencioni brought down his table group. We had all these different CEOs. It was a great time. One of the things I noticed, though, was um, part of our organization, different locations, was reaching out to say, hey, can you coach? Can you help? And it was the managing director trying to manage a very large organization of 220 staff members, three different locations in Mexico and San Diego. And I just wasn't able to do both. 
And so I had to make a choice. Do I stay focused on one of our YWAM locations or do I help um, all of the locations or many of them? So uh, myself and a small group of people decided to head back up to Montana and we uh, took over what was called MBI Mission Builders and we've kind of built that out now. And we're serving YWAM globally with uh, coaching services. Um, we have architect on staff, just a bunch of different professional level services. That's fantastic. And so within the environment of why I'm kind of serving as an internal coaching consultant, what would you say some of the most important work you're doing for these different bases and the leaders who lead them? Yeah, I think for our organization, it may be similar to other organizations, but for us, we, uh, we work with what we call the T1 team. So in the predictable success model, that's kind of your highest level leadership team, C-suite probably for businesses um, and helping them to be cohesive as a team. And then also bringing some clarity to that decision so that when they're making decisions and they're leading this organization, there's a cohesive leadership team along with some clarity. And with that, um, with our predictable success model, it's been so good. The language is so great for our organization is we come alongside them, the leaders and say, okay, what size are you supposed to be? What, where, where are you growing? And helping them to realize there's basically two choices within the model that they can do. And this language that we're bringing in the model is pretty revolutionary and it's really helpful to the leaders. And, and they often don't feel like a failure. Sometimes they're feeling like, man, I'm just failing. And then we go through the model and they're like, okay, this is somewhat normal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's such a great point because there's this idea and, and nonprofits are not impervious to it, but it's this up and right, right? If we're not getting bigger, if we're not scaling up, if we're not hundreds of staff, we're, we're not succeeding. Mm -hmm. And I think that's especially hard in the YWAM base, uh, base environment because other bases are. Uh, and so uh, just explain a little bit about why is it that, that you would not want to be a larger organization? Yeah, well, that's a great question because in our organization, we're all about vision, entrepreneurship. We have a lot of young people, um, growth and multiplication is huge, which is awesome. I mean, it's really great because we can dream, we can vision. It's a very decentralized organization as well. But there is this thing where if we don't have a big piece of property and we don't have 100 staff and we don't have 15 different things we're doing, are we really productive? Are we really successful? Because we do have some of our locations that are real. Like we have a ship. We've got all these different locations. So coming alongside our YOM leaders, where probably 80% of the locations probably aren't going to get over 30 full-time staff and, and helping them understand that they can stay in that stage that we call fun and predictable success, where you are growing because growth is important, but you're growing more by addition versus multiplication or scaling on a, like a J curve. Yeah. And, uh, and so what about the, the, that guy or girl who says that like, I want it all right. Like I, I want, I want to be small and nimble. And I also want to scale this thing to be hundreds of people. Like, do you come across that? And how do you help folks navigate that, that desire? Yeah, you know, uh, I think sometimes our, our leaders, cause they are visionary and entrepreneurial, and so, and, and they're not much of a systems process person, right? And so they love being able to move fast, quick, make decisions. And sometimes just by who they are and their vision, they grow this thing. But now all of a sudden, like in the model, it's become more complex. And now all of a sudden mm -hmm. there's complexity and they're still trying to act like they were 30 and smaller in that fun stage, but they're actually in what we call whitewater now. 
and complexity has taken over and they get stuck. And so yeah. we have to come alongside and really kind of help them think through, all right, do you want to go through this whitewater to get to what's called predictable success or repeatable success? Or do you want to go back to fun? And I think helping leaders understand that there's a choice and understanding, really counting the cost of what it means to go all the way through and get to that predictable success part um, is going to be quite difficult, at least in our organization, well worth it if that's what you want to do. But we just kind of help them sort through that there's actually two different directions. they can. Yeah. And I love the point that you're making here, and I don't want it to be overlooked, but either one is is a success, right? Both are equally valid. Neither one is better or worse than the other. And one of the things that I've, I've found kind of drives the or forces the decision, particularly in nonprofits, is mission creep. Right. I was working with a nonprofit once and they had as many ministries as they did staff. And, and so one of the things that that kind of creates that complexity that we're fighting and, and often comes as a result of that kind of visionary entrepreneurial uh, ideas, oh, we can do this ministry and this ministry. There's these people that we can serve and these people. So how, you know, where does that where does that mission creep come from and how do we keep it in check if we especially if we want to stay small and nimble? Yeah, you know, from our organization, we try to make sure there's some clarity. So when we're first working with the teams, really trying to get clear on on their vision, on their mission. And we use some of Patrick Lencioni's material, and they have six critical questions. And inside of that is, you know, what, what kind of drives you? Why do you exist? But inside of that also is the... Um, What's your strategic anchor or kind of the how that you get this done? And so as we're working with the team, there's we will write up on the board and there will be so many things because it's such a visionary organization. So, I mean, there's a hundred different things and then they don't feel successful when all of them aren't happening. So I think just trying to get clarity on, okay, we have an overall organization vision, but each location actually is unique in that. And there's a lot of room in our organization because there's really no formal headquarters. And so it's really easy to kind of drift if you're not careful in our organization because you're kind of independent. And so the corporate board, as well as having leaders like us come in and try to help stay focused, I think is a big help. Yeah. And you've got kind of the privilege, if you will, I don't know that it necessarily feels like this, but you you get the, the perspective is probably a better word of being able to see what happens a hundred decisions into that flow, right? So because mission creep is not one big decision to just be confusing. That That's no, no leaders out there trying to confuse their people. Um, but that is the cost of it, right? So for that person who's really struggling, because it's like, man, we could do that. We could help this group. How, what, how do you know when to say no to that next addition or that new ministry or that, that thing that could potentially be a drift for the organization? Yeah. And again, I think that's going to be a tough one in us because we're basically a yes organization. Uh, and, and depending on the leader, everything is is a yes. And so I think trying to walk through some decision making with them, particularly if they move into predictable success where decision making is a little slower, but the implementation can be a little faster. Mm. And so I think just trying to slow leaders down and just say, OK, you know, we really got to ask the questions. Does this really fit? with where we're going. There's a lot of good options out there. And so sometimes our staff will have great ideas. They're highly visionary. The question is, should it be here? Or maybe another part of YWAM would be good, or maybe outside of YWAM. And just being a little careful just to keep saying yes, 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 because the resources get spread. The people get Mm -hmm. spread. 
it's already a challenge running this organization, let alone, like you said, having more sometimes ministries or uh, programs than we do staff. Yeah. And what are some some of the symptoms that you know, the bases are experiencing before you come in that that maybe for someone listening might be like, hey, keep an eye out for these indications uh, that you might be overreaching from a vision perspective, or that you that mission creep might be at a critical critical point. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a few different things. I think sometimes it pushes them into a complexity. There's too much complexity, and so. They really should be in the fun stage, but they've added 15 different things that are barely working. And so, but they're really excited that it's hard. And I think maybe faith-based organizations maybe to say, no, we've got to kill this. We've got to stop it. You know, it's also a lot of people involved. And so you might have these ministries programs running that really need to be shut down, but it's really hard to do that. But it's created so much complexity that it's actually pushed them into that whitewater stage before they were actually ready um, with all good intentions. And so part of it is just trying to hone things down again, towards their mission and towards their vision and bring clarity. And that's usually a hard decision and hard discussions to have, but I find that it's helpful for them moving forward. Yeah. And yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, right? Generally, folks who get into the nonprofit space, uh, they are very visionary, but they're also very nice. You know, that the, these are not like, uh, these are not ruthless, selfish people, right? They're, they're pouring their life out for the people that they serve. And and the things that they're doing are very nice as well, right? We're not talking about bad ministries. We're not talking about they're in like, you know, kicking dogs or something. Like we're helping people. We're helping, uh, you know, you're creating uh, homes for very deserving families like you talked about in the intro there. And so that's, that's just very hard to do. And I wonder if you could help us to see beyond that. So those who who are able to make those hard decisions, who are able to either like spin off or even wind down some of the ministries that are causing complexity, what's it look like on the other side that makes all of that worth it? Yeah, you brought up some good points there because uh, Patrick Lencioni, who uh, did some coaching with some of our leadership teams, he said, you know, one of the things with Christian organizations or faith-based, a lot of times they have pillow fights. Instead of actually being able to disagree and, you know, really pound the table, we're all trying to be so nice. And so that, that can be a challenge when everybody's being nice. But, uh, you know, I think we can be respectful, but also have those hard conversations. And one of the things I've seen in our organization is we need to have what we call operator visionary. And so if we have the primary visionary of the organization as they grow, they need to have that mixed leader who has that an operational ability. They like to get things done, maybe with some vision, and then they can run something. And you can do that for a while. And right now with Mission Builders, we've actually chosen to stay in fun. So we have eight different visionary operators who are also building teams, and we're able to, to do that. When they move up above into that, then it's really trying to get that leadership team that we use the, the phrase is uh, enterprise commitment so that that high level leadership team is thinking about the whole enterprise. And then we're making what's called high quality team-based decision-making. And it just slows things down a little bit. So for some of our leaders, they hate slow. And for the ones that just are like, I don't want to put in systems and processes and slow everything down, fun is the best place for them to hang out for as an organization. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so true. So uh, there's a question I like to ask all of my guests, and I'm, I'm just fascinated to hear uh, your thoughts on this. But what would you say is the biggest secret you wish wasn't a secret at all, particularly in you know, this area we talked about, nonprofit leadership and uh, growing an organization? What would you say is the biggest secret you wish wasn't a secret at all? Yeah, so um, I think, it, and again, I'll speak primarily to our organization, but I think it applies elsewhere, is as leaders, there, there, is, a, there is that choice that you can have. And you can either stay in that organization that's fun, um, a little bit smaller, but you're growing, or you can scale. And then it's actually a choice and that you can be content without being complacent. And uh, Steve Jobs had this great quote that I like. He was talking to Stanford graduates and he said, stay hungry, stay foolish. And I think that is uh, so, so important. And uh so I, for me, it's uh, that's kind of resonated with me. I want to stay hungry. I want to stay foolish, yeah. uh, take risks, but also understand which kind of organization am I trying to do? And right now with Mission Builders, we really want to stay in fun because that's going to help us serve the people that we're serving. The last 20 some years, I was in two different YOM locations that were predictable success. And we scaled up. We had lots of staff, hundreds of staff, um, all sorts of different things. It was great. It's just a different type of organization. Yeah. Yeah. Fun and predictable success. For those of you who haven't done it, uh, you can head over to scalearchitects.com and uh, there's a life cycle quiz there. If you don't know what these stages are, want to know what your stage is, check that out. Um, uh, and it, it might make a little bit more sense for what we're talking about here. But uh, I love that you you can be content without being complacent, which I think is, I mean, that's just a massive revelation for most visionary leaders. And uh, and I've also found that comes in seasons, right? So it may not be, hey, this is forever, but it may be that this is for right now. So I love that. Um, yeah, there's just, it's great, great wisdom. One more question for you here. Uh, and, and that is, uh, I'm actually going to have you take off your kind of advisor hat for a moment, put on your own CEO hat. You even mentioned this in, in your, la your last answer here. Uh, so you've decided to stay in fun. You've decided to stay small and nimble. So what does growth look like in that stage for you particularly? And what challenges will you have to overcome to get there? Yeah. So uh, when I joined up with Mission Builders in uh, 2019, there was three and a half staff. We've now got about 20 full-time staff and some remote staff. And now the staff are saying, I don't think you guys will stay in, in fun. And so for us, it's a matter of saying, what, what does that look like? And what kind of discipline does that require for us? Because we are trying to still grow but we are trying not to make this thing too complex because if we do, myself and my co-director, Don, we will be running it, which is totally fine, but we want to be doing things. We want to be out coaching. We want to be out traveling. Like I had to Cambodia in January. I was in Costa Rica with YOM, do all these Zooms. But if we grow this thing into a complex organization, I'll have to back off. We'll have to create management teams. And so it's really a matter of taking that visionary operator, like I mentioned before, and having an architect who's a visionary operator, he's growing his team to about four or five, some of our other services, and then they grow their team, four or five people. And, I, and we can do that for a while. I'm sure at some point we'll have to make some more decisions. But right now we're able to, to, to keep moving forward and just trying to be as disciplined as we can because I'm, I'm visionary by nature. I like having things like growing and so this, but trying not to scale and trying not to make it too big is actually kind of a challenge because we think it's what's best for the organization. Um, so that's where, where we're at. 
Wow. The discipline of not scaling uh, and the reward of doing it. So uh, challenging, uh, thought-provoking, and uh, just sounds on wisdom. Ron, it was such an honor having you on the show today. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to appreciate you, the work that you do, the work that YOM does, and thank you for being here. For everyone listening, you know your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.